Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, hello everyone, this is Kennard Brown, your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Constructional Program. Today is March 11th, 2011. Happy Shabbat for those who care enough about keeping the Sabbath day. Uh, officially, starting this program, it, it was supposed to be last program, but I, I made a mistake, and I didn't make that mistake this time. Uh, we will have a 30-minute segment that will give you the opportunity to make any comments or ask any questions. So please wait until the end of the Bible study before you ask any questions. Uh, if you would like for me to create a Bible study addressing a desired topic, then please email me at Kennard, that's K-E, two N's as in Nancy, A-R-D, at MercifulServantsOfGod.com with your requests. And please let us know what your needs are. Uh, your needs can be biblical knowledge, uh, personal bi- biblical knowledge that I don't address here on this program, uh, career counseling, marriage counseling, food, a job, debt relief, healing from sickness, clothes, shelter, more vocational education that will help you generate more money, especially in these economic times today. Uh, feel free to email me, and I'll do the best I can to, to help you. i got to talk today about uh, what has happened in, in Japan. And uh, there's a reason why God allows these things. He just doesn't sporadically just cause earthquakes for no reason. So I did some research on Japan. And uh, let me begin here um, reading a scripture in Leviticus chapter 19. Now, he doesn't take pleasure in the death of the wicked or the righteous. So there has to be a reason. God doesn't just allow things to happen no reason, as you're going to find out here. Exodus, uh, Leviticus, I'm sorry, Leviticus chapter 19, beginning in verse 29. I don't know if any of you realize this, but uh, God has one of his uh, many uh, commandments, but his commandments are not as many as the United States uh, Constitution and the laws that we have in his land, but... uh, People feel that God's law is burdensome. Well, I feel the United States government law is more burdensome. But anyway, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 29. This is in the um, English Standard Version of the Bible. For clarity's sake, do not profane your daughter by making her a prostitute, lest the land fall into prostitution and the land become full of depravity. So, in other words, this is a condemnation against pornography and, and prostitution. That's what pornography is. It's a woman or a man using their bodies to have sex to entertain people with pleasure. That's what um, prostitution is. All right. So, And 
I also, for those who say, well, um, I'm just looking at it. Well, let's let's look at Matthew chapter 5 and see what our Lord and Savior stated about this. Because I know many of you possibly who are listening to me think that the Old Testament is toilet paper. So uh, Matthew chapter 5, at least I hope you don't. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in um, verse 27. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. So that's that's one of the commandments. That's the uh, seventh commandment. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So that condemns pornography, folks. Uh, if you're looking at pornography, any normal human will get sexually aroused and you either masturbate or you just go out to find somebody to have sex with. You just can't look at that stuff. And not want it. Eventually, you know, God designed us to to want to have sex as a good desire, as a natural desire, if you do it His way, which is marrying, not looking at a, a porno show. So anyway, to get to my point, um, I, I did some some study here. Uh, you can look for this yourself. Type in Google pornography statistics, family safe media, and I was shocked to find this out. I know that our country has run rampant with. Uh, Pornography, but I didn't know Japan was up there either. Uh, this is just the 2006 worldwide pornography revenues. Uh, China leads the, the pack. China. Uh, their, the overall revenues generated from pornography is to over $27 billion a year. Uh, each person spends $27.41. That's on the average for those who participate in pornography in China. South Korea is $25 billion. And each person in South Korea, uh, the ones that spend money toward pornography, is $526.76. Japan. Japan is more than the United States. Is $19 billion, uh, $19 billion, $19.98 billion per year. And their per capita, this is referring, of course, to those who uh, buy pornography, is $156.75 per person who buys pornography. So, there is a connection here. Um, obviously, God is doing this to hopefully inspire the Japanese people to repent of their rampant pornography viewing. And, and obviously, um, Christ did state uh, where, your money, where your heart is, that's where your money is at, basically. And unfortunately, the Japanese have a problem. I'm not saying all of them, but obviously a significant amount of them, at least, have a problem spending money on pornography. That's that's a lot of money. That's $19 billion a year. That's a billion, not million. B, with a, with a B. So that's a lot of money being spent in pornography. And and many people think that, you know, that this is not a, a major thing to God. I just read to you in the Bible how he feels about it. And he states here, and let's, let's look again, that, that the land would be defiled because of that. Let's look at that again in Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 19. It said, Do not profane your daughter by making her a prostitute. And this can refer to a man, too, because there's men prostitutes, too. That not the land fall into prostitution, and the land become full of depravity. And that's obviously what's going on in Japan. It's not only in Japan, in the United States. We're just as guilty here in the United States. I'm trying to look at other statistics here that uh, are significant. The top video porn producers. And let me list in order here. Uh, the United States is, is the first one. It doesn't surprise me. Brazil is the second one. The Netherlands, 
third, Spain is fourth, and then you know Spain right now is going through tremendous economic problems right now. I wonder why. And then number five, Japan. Japan is number five. They're in the top ten of uh, pornography or top video porn producers. So I'm just revealing this to you to to see that God doesn't do things for no reason here. Uh, for a devastating earthquake like that, it had to be. I kind of figured it had to be something something wrong here, <laughs> and I'm right, you know. Uh, pornography web pages by country: the United States is 244 million pornography pages. Germany, 10 million. United Kingdom, 8.5 million. Australia, 5.6. Japan, Japan, 2.7 million. So, you know, I'm not trying to pick on the Japanese. I'm just, people are wondering, well, why would God allow something like this? Well, this is why, okay? And we're going to get it. We already are getting it in this country with a president that thinks that marriage should not be recognized uh, in the court systems now. So when we have leaders, and I do respect President Obama, but I'm not going to respect wickedness. I'm not going to respect uh, affronts against the Almighty God. I'm not going to respect somebody that's saying that, uh, marriage should not be recognized between a man and a woman for those people who want to marry their other sex. I, I'm not commanded of God. I only uh, obey God rather than men in that situation, okay? And I'm not going to obey my president when he states that, that when, when, when it's something totally against the law of God. That's when the overall president of the universe comes into play there. That's over Obama. So um, I feel sorry for the Japanese, and you should pray for them. Uh, but there's a reason why God allowed this to happen. Hopefully, the Japanese will wake up. Hopefully, we will wake up before it's too late, before things happen to us. And the population, if anyone wanted to, uh, if anyone wonders about the population of Japan, it's 127 million people. And over here in this country, I think we have over 350 million people. So it's a nice population, about 127 million people. Uh, over 127 million people live in Japan. Now, according to the CIA World Factbook, 2%, only 2% of the Japanese population are Christian. That's an estimate of 2.4 million people. So it's not that many people in Japan that believe in Yeshua Messiah. So you put all these factors, and it's not a surprise. It shouldn't be anyway why God allowed this to happen. Um, Luke chapter 21. Let's turn to Luke chapter 21. Japanese, as, long, uh, as, as much as we do, need to get our minds focused on Almighty God and start obeying His commandments, or else big earthquakes will happen here in this country, guaranteed. If we continue to not uh, obey God and continue and our filth, and our pornography that's been going on right now. I'm sure they're filming a pornography uh, scene right now to sell. If we continue to do that stuff, we will get cursed, and we will have great catastrophes in this country. So for those of us who are looking at CNN, oh, look at the Japanese, oh, they're suffering. Hey, you better stop looking at the Japanese. You better start looking at yourselves in this country because we're going to get it if we continue to think that God is just going to just wink his eyes at what we're doing to ourselves here. Okay. Um, Luke chapter 21, starting in verse 8. states uh, right here, this is a version of the Olivet Prophecy. 
and one version of it is Luke chapter 21, the other version, Matthew 24 and Mark chapter 13, which I suggest anyone that is wet behind the ears as far as the Bible is concerned should, if you want a good summary of prophecy, reading Matthew chapter 24, Mark chapter 13, and Luke 21 is a real good start toward understanding prophecy. But anyway, uh, this is similar to the version of Matthew chapter 24 to ask him when would these things occur. And this is in the context of the end of the world, the end of a man ruling himself. That's what the end of the world is. The world is not going to blow up like many people or some people may think. But uh, in Luke chapter 21, starting in verse 8, it states, and he said, see, and this is in the uh, English uh, standard version uh, for clarity's sake, uh, Luke chapter 21, verse 8, and he says, see that you are not led astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and, and the time is at hand. And this alludes to <laughs> this one uh, little group that thinks that May 21st is the time of the rapture, and there's a rapture, but it's not before the tribulation, it's after the tribulation. Now, I have a Bible study on that, you can look in the archives, but I'm going to give a recent Bible study on this. matter of fact, I probably will give a Bible study on them, that group, and what they're teaching, versus what the Bible really says. Um because if you really understand Bible prophecy, the temple, and I'm going to hopefully explain that today, the temple in Jerusalem has to be rebuilt. It's a temple mount right now, but that has to be rebuilt for the abomination of desolation to occur. So I, I can say with confidence, unless the Bible's a lie, which I know is not, um, that, oh, oh, what do you say? Yeah, yeah, it's made. I think it's the twenty-first. I think it's the twenty-first, right? It's the twenty-first. Yeah, this is either the twenty, whatever. It's somebody else again predicting a date. Okay, and Christ states here that one of the deceptions of the end time. He states right here in Luke chapter twenty-one that uh, see that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name saying, "I am He," and that the time is at hand. Okay, so and that's what they're saying. The time is at hand, and. On this program, I say that we're near. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know exactly when, the day, the hour, the time when he's going to come back. And even Yeshua stated, or Jesus stated, that only the Father knows that. So why do people get in their minds that they can tell, they can give you an exact date, when Yeshua himself don't know? That that's the that's the crazy. Are, are they Yeshua's? You know, are they Jesus, the second most powerful being in the universe? I don't think so. So anyway. Um, he says, do not go after them. And, of course, we don't want to obey God uh, or his representative. We just want to do what we want to do, right? So, but anyway, uh, he says, and when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified. For these things must first take place, but the end will not be at once. That's a good translation. The end will be, won't be at once, right away, immediately, as this group is teaching. Okay. Uh, verse 10, then he said to them, nation, or this this should be translated family. You look in the original Greek, it should be family. Family will rise against family, and that's definitely occurring with hearing about uh, this young male, 17, killing his, stabbing his baby to death. And you hear about these other oddball stories of families killing each other. So that that's definitely happening. And it's not just killings. It's just families aren't getting along, you know, uh, because of religion or some other stupid reason. Um, and kingdom against kingdom, that's, that's refer, of course referring to nations, there will be great earthquakes. Now, I wanted to hone on that, great earthquakes, great earthquakes. And my wife asked me a question, and I forgot to do this. Let me do this now. Why is on my mind great earthquakes? Earthquakes. 
see if this phrase is located elsewhere in the Bible. No, only one place in Luke chapter 21. Verse 11, that phrase, great earthquakes, that's the only time that that, in the King James Version anyway, uh, that is located. So I have a computer program that you can get for free online. It's eSort, and it's a very good program. You can actually type in a phrase and find out all the occurrences of the phrase throughout the entire Bible. And for those who who, uh, do what I do, it's very helpful. And for those who don't want to do deep Bible study, which God commands you to do anyway, it's a very helpful tool for you to use. Anyway, um... Getting back to this uh, pivotal prophecy here, Luke chapter 21, verse 10. Then he said to them, family will rise against family and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, plural, and in various places, famines and pestilences. So, and then he says there will be terrors and great signs from heaven or from the skies. So that that's what that's where we're at right now in terms of prophecy. Uh, we have famine. We have a worldwide famine right now. That's only going to get worse because of the Japan situation. Japan is the third largest uh, economy in the world, and this is going to affect everyone economically. Uh, Japanese are interwoven with our economy, with our society. Japan is like uh, Asian Americans uh, area or territory, and we're very we're linked with them. So this is really going to affect the United States as well. Isaiah chapter 24, I want to focus on this for a minute again because it definitely has something to do with earthquakes. And Isaiah chapter 24 says, Behold, the Lord will empty the earth and make it desolate. And he will twist his surface and scatter his inhabitants. Twisting the surface of the earth is earthquakes. Okay? And that's what's going on right now. In particular, scientists, you can, if you don't believe me, think I'm lying or whatever, just type in the frequency of earthquakes. They have been more prevalent in, in the 21st century than they ever have been throughout the history of the world. And you, 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 you're having these, this, this is an 8 point, people can't make up their mind what it is, an 8.9 and 9.1. I don't care what it is. It's a great earthquake, and this is a the significant thing about this earthquake. It's a great earthquake in a major metropolitan, powerful city, Tokyo, Japan, or or, or country, Japan. And Tokyo was affected, which is one of the most powerful uh, cities economically in the world. And prior to this, there wasn't any major cities being hit. This is, as far as I know, unless one of you calls in today, uh, can refresh my memory. Maybe there was another city equivalent and as powerful as Tokyo that was hit by an earthquake. I, I can't recall. Can you? In, in the 21st century. You know, so th- this is something that should be a wake-up call to everyone that God exists here, and for him to cause an earthquake to happen in Tokyo here, he's trying to to get our attention here, and he definitely knows how to do that. So um, Isaiah 24, verse 1, so it talks about he will twist the service. That's referring to earthquakes and scatter his inhabitants. And that's what happens when there's an earthquake, the inhabitants are scattered, aren't they? I was looking at the video. It is, they showed one city. I don't know where they're getting it. You know, I hope there's just 9,500 that's dead or whatever, but they said there was a population of 71,000 people that lived in the city, and it looked like the whole city got washed away. So I don't know if they're trying to fudge the figures or whatever, but it, it, I hope that there's not more people that that uh, are dead, but I wouldn't be surprised if there is more. 
But anyway, verse 2, And it shall be as with the people, so with the priest, as with the slave, so with his master, as with the maid, so with her mistress, as with the buyer, so with the seller, as with the lender, so with the borrower, as with the creditor, so with the debtor. So this is the punishment that God is going to inflict upon the earth is going to affect everyone. That's what he's saying. Verse 3, The earth shall be utterly empty and utterly plundered. For the Lord has spoken this word, not me, the Lord. Verse 4, The earth mourns and withers, the, the world languishes and withers, the highest people, the earth, languish. Even the rich people are going to suffer. Verse 5, the earth lies defiled or decayed under its inhabitants. And why? Why is the world in a state of decay right now? Why is it decaying? And, and the example of decaying is in the, in the previous verses I read. They have transgressed the laws, violated the statutes, broken the everlasting covenant. In other words, people worldwide are breaking God's laws continuously. That's the reason why the earth is in a state of decay physically and spiritually. Verse 6, therefore a curse, whenever you sin, a curse happens. What is a curse? A curse is something bad that happens to you. Little kids understand this. When, when they do something wrong, uh-oh, something bad's going to happen to me. Well, same thing with an adult. When you do something wrong, something bad's going to happen to you. Okay? But what happens to adults is earthquakes and hurricanes and not having no money, struggling, diseases like cancer and and um Obesity-related diseases like heart attacks and strokes, that's what happens to us. That's the curses that happens to us for disobeying God. Therefore, a curse devours the earth. The entire earth is under this curse. And its inhabitants suffer for their guilt. Excellent translation. Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are scorched and few men left. And this is a prophecy that hasn't happened yet. But if we collectively, as a human race, don't learn that we must obey all the laws of God that we can obey, then this is what's going to happen. Few men are going to be left on the earth. Few. Compared to the almost 7 billion, that's what would be, population of the world right now. For those who are stubborn and want to continue to live the way they want and don't care about God and, and doubt the Bible, then God says, okay, okay, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you. And I'm going to show you what he's going to do here. To understand the book of Revelation... You have to understand that God is going to punish this world in three major ways. Seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven plagues. That's the way it's outlined in the book of Revelation, in order. And just to give you a preview of the destruction that's going to occur, uh, let's turn to Revelation chapter 9. One of these days, I think I will do a complete Bible study in the book of Revelation. Because it needs to be done. Maybe maybe I'll start doing that starting next week. But anyway, Revelation chapter 9, starting in verse 1. Not, not verse 1, but verse 13. Now, this is the sixth trumpet. I'm jumping to the sixth trumpet for a reason because it's going to take too much time for me to go over all the seals, trumpets, and plagues. But I'm trying to give you a preview to get you to understand that this Japan earthquake is nothing compared to what's going to be happening in the future if... Humanity as a whole does not repent and start obeying God's laws. Uh, Revelation chapter 9, verse 13. The sixth angel blew his trumpet, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. That's near the area of Iraq today. So the four angels who have been prepared for the hour, the day, the moon, and the year. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> who have been prepared for the hour, the day, the month, and the year. Now, notice the Bible doesn't tell you the exact day. It just says for a particular hour, the day, 
the month in the year. We're not supposed to know that. Okay? We're released to kill a third of mankind. So 33% of mankind are going to be destroyed by these four angels. The number of mounted troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000. I heard their number, and this is at our 200 million. So this has to be an end-time prophecy because the population of the world in the first century was just 200 million. And now it's talking about a 200 million man army. So obviously this must be a prophecy of the 21st century. And this is how I saw the, the horses in my vision and those who rode them. They were breastplates of color of fire and, fire and sapphire and of sulfur, which whenever you see a bomb, that's what the, the tail looks like, basically, the color. And the heads of the horses were like lion's heads and fire and smoke and sulfur came out of their mouths. This is a description of the armaments that we have today, nuclear bombs and all kinds of bombs and so forth, artillery. By these three plagues, a third of mankind, or 33%, was killed by this fire and smoke and sulfur coming out of their mouths, indicating that they directed these bombs to hit certain areas or targets. For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents and heads, by means of them they wound. See, he's, what John is doing, he was taking a vision to the 21st century, and this is the best way he could describe it. Just think of you were in the first century and you're seeing all the stuff. Uh, <laughs> You would describe it that way too, probably. Anyway, verse 20. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent. And this is incredible. I'm reading this to you to show you how stubborn human beings can be. Just imagine. I know if I saw this, I'd be repenting and licking the dust off the ground. Please help me. you know. But other people, unfortunately, I don't know, human beings' capacity for stubbornness could be very, very much. Could very could be very very broad and very very deep, obviously. For and he says the rest of mankind who was not killed by these plagues did not repent or change of the works of their hands, nor giving up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver. So items of gold and silver can refer to money or things that are idols of gold and silver. So what what it is basically is that people are falling asleep basically with you know demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk. Nor did they repent of their murders or their sorcerers or their sexual immorality, and I just talked about that uh, a few minutes ago, or their thefts. And that's the reason why God's going to allow these things. He's he's sick and tired. If you think that God's going to sit up here and allow mankind, who he created, to continue to to um, pervert themselves in pornography and other abominations, you, you're out of your mind. He's not going to continue to allow that. Um, Revelation chapter 16, you think this earthquake was something. Let me read you something else here that's going to happen in the future. Revelation chapter 16. I'm going to read this whole chapter to you. Now, these are the plagues. After the trumpets come the plagues. And... In, in Revelation 16, verse 1, Then I heard a loud voice from the temple telling the seven angels, Go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. That's what the seven last plagues are called. So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth, and harmful and painful sores came upon the people who bore the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. The second angel poured out his bowl into the sea, and it became like the blood of a corpse, and every living thing died that was in the sea. The third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel in charge of the water say, Just, just are you, o, o holy one, who is and who was, 
For you brought these judgments, for they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. It is what they deserve. So God is going to avenge wickedness, folks. Uh, you know, if your image of a God is, oh, he'll just let us sin and just pour the blood of Christ on us and we can just continue to sin, sin, sin. No, he, he's not that type of God. Verse 7, and I heard the altar saying, uh, yes, Lord God, the Almighty, true and just are your judgments. Verse 8, the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun and it was allowed to scorch people with fire. They were scorched by the fierce heat and they cursed the name of God. Isn't that something? They're being burnt. Literally, and they still have the gall and their audacity to curse God. That, that, that's the, that's going to be the mental state of people at this time. All right, who had power over these plagues. They did not change and give him glory. Great stubbornness to do wickedness. Verse 10, the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in anguish and cursed God again the God of heaven for their pain and sores. They did not repent of their deeds. And people say, well, why does God allow judgments? Because people don't want to obey him. That's why. And so he has to do what he has to do. He's not going to rule over anybody that don't want to obey him. Just like a father would want to be a son to a son that disobeys him. I mean, he still would be, uh, I mean, a father, he still would be a father to him, but it's going to be burdensome. And, and for those who work as managers and supervisors, you know what I'm talking about. How can you deal with somebody that doesn't want to obey you? It's impossible. I mean, you're going to terminate them. But this is God's way of terminating. And you don't want to be terminated by God because you won't live again. Verse 12, the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates. Here we go with the great river Euphrates again. That's a hot spot in the world, obviously. And his water, and that's in Iraq, around Iraq. And his water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. And I saw coming, that's east of Euphrates, and I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet three unclean spirits like frogs, for they are demonic spirits performing signs. And the King James Version says miracles. So when you see all these miracles of healing and everything else, it may not necessarily be from God, folks. Okay? Because demons can do it too. Who go abroad to the kings of the whole earth to assemble them, for the battle on the great day of God the Almighty, behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake. Stay awake. Don't fall asleep when I do Bible studies, okay? Keeping his garments on that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. And they assembled them at the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. Verse 17, the seventh angel poured out his bowl. And I guarantee you, if anyone of you are alive at this time, you definitely will be awake. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne, saying, It is done or finished, completed. This is when the end will occur, folks, the end of the civilization at that time. And there were flashes of lightning, rumbles, pearls, I mean, yeah, peals of thunder, and a great earthquake. Now, here's another great earthquake, and this is in the uh, English Standard Version. But in the King James Version, that phrase only occurs one time. It says, A great earthquake such as there had never been since man was on the earth. Since man was on the earth. Oh, wait a minute. The phrase great, let me look this up. Great earthquake may be more, because I think that's in the King James Version, great earthquake, isn't it? Is that in the King James Version, great earthquake? Yeah, okay, all right. Okay, yeah, there are various cases where the great earthquake, without the S's, in Matthew 28, verse 2, it says, And behold, there was a great earthquake for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven. 
So this is the great earthquake that occurred when, when Christ was resurrected, or around the time he was resurrected. And then Acts 16, verse 26 says there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison was shaken. This is when um, I think Paul or some of his colleagues were rescued from prison. And in Revelation 6, verse 12, it talks about a great earthquake during the sixth seal. And then Revelation 11, verse 13, it talks about another earthquake. Um, let me see. And I think that's after the witnesses... Uh, yeah, after the witnesses were uh, murdered. Yeah, Revelation 11, verse, actually after they were resurrected, that there's a uh, great earthquake there. And last but not least, we're talking about uh, the great earthquake here in Revelation 16, verse 8. So so that answers my wife's question or anyone else that had that question about that. All right, getting back to Revelation chapter 16 here. So it says, a great earthquake such as there had never been since man was on the earth so you think this earthquake in japan is something you have not seen or experienced anything yet folks so it says a great earthquake such as there has never been since man was on the earth so great was that earthquake the great city was split into three parts and the cities of the nations fell so all the cities of the world will fall so every city will be destroyed according to what the bible states here except i guess with the exception of jerusalem and god remembered babylon the great to make her drain the cup, or perhaps Jerusalem will be will fall, but it will be rebuilt, because it does say all the, uh, the cities of the nations fell. And God remembered Babylon the Great to make her drain the cup of the wine of the fury of his wrath, and every island, every island fled away, and no mountains were to be found. This is total destruction, folks. Now God's going to say, hello, I'm the almighty uh, God, and you better obey me or else. That's what he's saying here. And um, great hailstones, about 100 pounds each, 100 pounds of hailstones, fell from the sky on people or heaven. And they cur here they go again, cursing God. <laughs> cursing God for the plague of the hell because the plague was so severe. And people say that God is not kind and merciful. Yes, he is. For, for him to allow people curse him today. And he still allows them to live. He allows abortions today. He's allowed over 43 million in this country since the most abominable court ruling in the history of the United States Supreme Court in 1973, Roe versus Wade, uh, occurred. Um, he allows abortions. But I guarantee you, he's going to not allow that for long. And uh, he's, he's sick and tired of babies being murdered for no reason other than selfish reasons and ambitions to want to have a kid but want to continue to have sex and have fun, you know. So, so folks, you know, we need to prepare for what's about to go down here, all right? Uh, this earthquake in Japan is a wake-up call. Uh, we are not going to continue to be allowed to be wicked, folks, all right? Uh, Ezekiel chapter 18, let's turn there. Ezekiel chapter 18. Ezekiel 18, verse 21 in the English Standard Version of the Bible. But if a wicked person turns away from all his sins, that's what he wants Japan to do. That's what he wants everyone to do. But if a wicked person turns away from all his sins that he has committed and keeps all my statutes and does what is just and right, and I'm not saying all the people in Japan are wicked. I'm talking about obviously the majority must be, all right? 
So he wants them to repent. There's only 2.4 million Christians. And unfortunately, with the Christianity they know, more than likely is not the, the true Christianity they should understand. Uh, the majority of Christianity is taught in the world is is, is about a, a Jesus that did away with his father's law and and uh, you don't have to keep the Sabbath. Uh, the Sabbath has been changed to Sunday and worship on Easter and, and Christmas. And even though Christmas is a lie, it's, it's about some fat man coming down the chimney to give kids gifts. Uh, there's no such man that exists. And, you know, God does not and will not have anything to do with a lie. So anyway, that's another Bible study. But Ezekiel chapter 18, uh, verse 21, it states, But if a wicked person turns away from all his sins that he has committed and keeps all my statutes and does what is just and right, he shall surely live. He shall not die. None of the transgressions that he has committed shall be remembered against him. For the righteousness that he has done, he shall live. Have I any pleasure in the death of the wicked? No, he doesn't. He did not take all the angels in heaven except the demons. Uh, but the righteous angels and God did not jump up for joy because of what happened Friday. Okay, he, he doesn't take pleasure. But I hope you understand today why he allows these things. Okay, uh, I'm going to read this to you. In verse 23, have I any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord God, and not rather that he should turn from his way and live? That's all he wants you to do. And he has to allow these earthquakes and famines and all these other catastrophes to get our attention because unfortunately most of us need that. They, just like... Most of us, well, yeah, except Jesus, I guess. He never got spanked, but every human being, more than likely, got spanked, and that got our attention. When our, when our parents, when we did something wrong, we got spanked, or we got punished, and, and we woke up, right? Well, how do you spank adults? You can't put them on a lap and, I mean, that's not going to do it. But earthquakes and tornadoes and hurricanes and famines and murder and all the rest of this stuff gets people's attention. It works been working for years. Anyway, verse 20, Have I any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord God, and not rather that he should turn away, turn from his wicked way or way and, and live? But when a righteous person turns away from his righteousness and does injustice and does the same abomination that the wicked person does, shall he live? None of the righteous deeds that he has done shall be remembered. For the treachery of which he is guilty and the sin he has committed, for them he shall die. So this means that you have to be continuously righteous. You can't be just righteous one day and then then you're wicked for the rest of your life and then you come to God's throne and say, okay, well, I was righteous for that one day. Uh, he, he's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you have to be consistently righteous for me to grant you entry in my kingdom. Go to hell, he's going to tell him, basically. Go to hellfire. And that's what's going to happen, you know? So anyway, um, and then many people, and I, I'm sure you guys... Uh, Possibly some of you thinking, I'm talking out of my head, I don't know what the crap I'm talking about. Well, verse 25 says, Yet you say the way of the Lord is not just. Hear now, O house of Israel, and house of Israel is referring to anyone that believes in Yeshua Messiah, that's not a Bible study itself. Is my way not just? Is not your ways that are not just? When a righteous person turns away from his righteousness and does injustice, he shall die for it. For the injustice that he has done, he shall die. Again, when a wicked person turns away from the wickedness he has committed and does what is just and right, he shall save his life. Because he considered and turned away from all the transgressions that he has committed. That's what he wants the Japanese people to do. He wants them to consider, why did God allow this? Oh, yeah, yeah, we do a lot of pornography. Yeah, maybe we need to change. Well, not maybe, but we better change. We don't want this earthquake to happen again. So anyway, and I guarantee you this, if the Japanese did that, 
if they collectively got away from their pornography and started to obey the true God of the Bible, no earthquake would ever happen there again because he promised that it would not happen again. And if it did, it wouldn't harm anyone. So anyway... In verse 28, because he considered and turned away from all the transgressions that he had committed, he shall surely live. He shall not die. Yet the house of Israel says, the way of the Lord is not just. O house of Israel, are my ways not just? Is it not your ways that are not just? And I tell this people, and they try to act like what they're doing is right, and I say, well, look, both people can't be right unless they are right, okay? Usually when you catch somebody in the act, they want to, deceive themselves and justify their wickedness. And they'll try to say this, your way is not fair. And this is what they try to do to the Almighty God, pointing their finger in his face and saying, hey, your way is not just. When is the other way around? It should be boomerang back to them. And I can understand because I experienced that myself. Okay, so getting let's, let's turn to Revelation chapter 6, starting in verse 5. And this is where we're at right now in prophecy, folks. Uh, I don't care what anyone else is telling you. Um, this is where we're at in Revelation chapter 6, verse 5, in prophecy. Um, because the reason why I can tell you this, let me, let me prove this to you in a minute. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come, and I looked, and behold, a black horse, and his rider had a pair of scales in his hand, which is an indication of economics socioeconomics, and I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, a quarter of wheat for denarius and three quarters of barley for denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. So this is talking about economic scarcity here. In verse 7, when he opened the fourth seal, and we haven't come to this yet, I mean, the, these four horses of the apocalypse have been, been galloping for years, but not to the extent that is talking about here in the book of Revelation. And we're going to reach a point where one-third of the population is going to be destroyed because of these four horses. Verse 7, When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come, and I looked, and behold, a pale horse, which is representative of pestilence and disease. And his rider's name was Death, and Hades followed him, or Hades followed him. And they were given authority over a fourth part of the earth, I'm sorry, not one-third, one-fourth, or 25% of the earth, to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence, and by the wild beasts of the earth. In other words, all the, the horses, practically. Uh, the, the sword is war. Famine is, is uh, the, the uh, third seal. And, of course, pestilence is the fourth seal, So, along with the deception. Uh, so that all that is going to destroy 25% of the earth, and this is before the trumpet plagues. So that's the reason why I can say we're at the third seal right now, because 25% of the population of the earth isn't destroyed yet, is it? Nope. Okay, so that's where we're at. And that's what God wants us to know. He doesn't want us to know the exact millisecond or day when he's going to come back or time, but he wants us to be aware, as I'm going to prove to you here in Leviticus, not Leviticus, Luke chapter Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. Starting in verse 34. And I, and I see this even even with uh, my friends and so forth. It's, it's like they're in a slumber spiritually. They're just they're holding on to this world, and there's nothing in this world to hold on to. It's a bunch of garbage, you know. And 
Luke chapter 21, verse 34, it says, But watch yourselves, that not your hearts be weighed down with the dis- dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. As Exactly as I said, people are so concerned about this world, their jobs, this, and you should be concerned about your jobs, you got to eat, okay? But you shouldn't be over-concerned about that. Uh, you should learn how to rest on the Shabbat, on, on, on Sabbath, on Saturdays for 24 hours. Even scientists and doctors state that a human being should rest at least one day out the week. And what do you think we got, thank God, is Friday from? From the natural chemical DNA structure of each and every human being to desire a day that God commands every human being to, to, to acknowledge, which is the Sabbath day, which Christ said in Matthew, or I'm sorry, Mark chapter 2, verse 27, he stated that the Sabbath was created for man, not just for the Jews, for all of mankind. Okay, so all of mankind should be resting, and none of the reasons why people get diseases and so forth a lot of people, more people than not, work every day. And when you work every day, you tear your body up. And you talk, tell any doctor that. You're going to tear your body up doing that, working every day. So anyway, Luke 21, verse 34, But watch yourself, that not your hearts be weighed down with the dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. So God doesn't want you totally being surprised. Okay, so we should have a sense of what's going on. I've had family members, I ain't going to give names because I don't believe in gossiping, but, you know, telling me, you know, that it is wrong for me to focus on this stuff. That's a bunch of bull garbage, okay? Um, I'm going to focus on this stuff because Christ commanded me to focus on it. And I'm not, I don't want to be caught suddenly like a trap, like a like a mouse trap. He's referring, this is like almost being a little mouse and there's a, there's a you know, a mouse trap, right? And you get caught. I don't want to get caught, you know? And he says that that day come upon you suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth that let the let uh, things weigh them down. That's for the majority of people on the earth will be caught by surprise. It says, but stay awake, and he's talking about not just physically awake, but spiritually awake. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place. And I know people have the capacity to want to escape. I saw those little Japanese folks running all over the place. They were trying to escape from that earthquake. So, you know, I know that people in their right mind don't want to be bothered with all this stuff that's about to happen. Well, it's a possibility that you can be protected from all this stuff, but you got to do it God's way. You can't do it your way. And he, he will give us the strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. All right, so he doesn't want us to be ignorant of the times and the seasons, folks, okay? And that's not a Bible study in itself, but can't reveal everything in one program. Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 7 to 10. Jeremiah 18, verse 7 to 10. It says, If at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it, and that is also referring to the book of Revelation because he's talking about all nations and kingdoms in that context. And if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, if it turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do to it. And verse 9, it works the other way too. And if at any time I declare concerning a nation or kingdom that I will build and plant it or, or otherwise bless it, and, it, and if it does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, 
then I would relent of the good that I intended to do to it. So that's a rule to apply to any nation and realize that Jeremiah, in the first chapter, says he was a prophet not only to Israel but to the nations. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. Let's start in verse 4. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So he was alive in the womb, but before you uh, formed him in the womb. And before you were born, I consecrated you. So to consecrate something in the womb, obviously that must have been, that that being was alive, right? So uh, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations, not just to the nation of Israel, but to the nations. I mean, many people think Jeremiah was just a prophet to to Israel and Judah. No, he was a prophet to the whole world. So. Uh, I just want you to understand that, you know, God controls natural disasters and he will uh, do what needs to be done to, to, to get our attention. And, that, and that's the way it is. Um, in Job 37, let me just read this one scripture here. Job 37, I'm not going to read all of it for time. Constraints here, but Job 37, verse starting in verse 11, and this is in the, uh, for clarity's sake, the contemporary English version of the Bible. Job 37, verse 11 it says, "Rain clouds filled with lightning appear at God's command, traveling across the sky to release their cargo. Sometimes it's punishment for sin, sometimes it's kindness." Okay, so God uh will do what he needs to do to get our attention. That's just one of the many scriptures. Uh well we can look at Amos too. Amos chapter four. That's the King James Version here. Starting at verse six. And I also have given you cleanness of teeth in all your cities and want of bread in all your places. So in other words he causes famine and that's what he's doing worldwide right now. Is, is a lack of um, food, and it's starting to hit this country now with people complaining in Wisconsin about the, the labor unions and all that, and it's only going to get worse, folks. Um, and want of bread in all your places, yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. And also I have withholding the rain from you when there were yet three months to the harvest, and I caused it to rain upon one city, and caused it not to rain upon another, and one piece was rained upon, and the piece whereof it rained not withered, so two or three cities wandered into one city to drink water, but they were not satisfied. Yet have you not returned unto me, says the Lord. I have smitten you with blasting and mildew when your gardens and your vineyards and your fig trees and your olive trees increased. The palmer would devour them, yet have you not returned unto me, says the Lord. So you notice he's doing all these things to, to get them to repent. I have sent among you the pestilence at the manner of Egypt. Your young men I have slain with the sword, he even allows wars. And have taken away your horses, and I have made the stink of your camps to come up into your nostrils, yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. I have overthrown some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and, and you were as firebrand plucked out of the burning, yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. So I'm just reading this to show you that God, to wake people up, like a certain individual, causes these things to occur to wake you up to reality. Um, Isaiah chapter 59. It gets to the point that how long can how much suffering can you go through? That's the question. How much suffering do you want to go through? That's what everybody, including myself, are going to have to answer. 
Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1, until we finally get it. Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. Many people think that. Why did God allow this? Well, this is the reason why he allowed it. Verse 2. But your iniquity, sin, have made a separation between you and your God. Obviously, God is not pleased with Japan. And that's why he allowed that to occur. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Verse 3, for your hands are defiled with blood. In the Japanese case, one specific case is defiled, many of them, with pornography. $19 billion of it a year. That's a lot of money, folks. It's a lot of money. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. And your lips have spoken lies and your tongue mutters wickedness. So, you know, this and says no one enters suit justly. No one goes to law honestly. They rely on empty pleas. They speak lies. They con conceive mischief and give birth to iniquities. It explains our court systems today. A lot of it is dishonest. Verse 6, their webs will not serve as clothing. Men will not cover themselves with what they make. Their works are works of iniquity and deeds of violence are in their hands. Their feet run to evil. They don't walk to evil. They run to evil. And they are swift to shed innocent blood. Abortions. That's the first thing that comes in my mind when I read that. Innocent blood. What can be more innocent than abortions? Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Desolation and destruction are in their highways. And if anybody wants to know if God makes a direct statement about causing these things, he does. In Isaiah chapter 45, verse 7. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. He created that earthquake. He caused it to happen. And many people get into these ridiculous, stupid conversations about how it happened. Who cares how it happened? He creates it. Nothing, and I mean nothing, happens unless it's approved at his throne. So he causes all these things. I am the Lord who does all these things. You know, they have people trying to say that the elite is trying to cause this and that. Well, God is allowing that. If he didn't allow it, the elite could not do a doggone thing. Okay, so let's understand that. Isaiah chapter 29. Isaiah chapter 29, starting in verse 6. This is talking about a prophecy of the end time here. You will be visited by the Lord of hosts with thunder and with earthquake, with earthquake, and great noise and with whirlwind and tempest, hurricane, and the flame of a devouring fire. Verse 7, and the multitude of all the nations that fight against Ariel, which is Jerusalem. This, you, you keep on fighting against the Jews in Jerusalem, this is what's going to happen to you. That's what he's saying. All that fight against her and her stronghold and distress her shall be like a dream, a vision of the night. I'm sure you don't want to be a vision of the night. As when a hungry man dreams he is eating and wakes with his hunger not satisfied, famine again. Or as when a thirsty man dreams he is drinking and, and wakes faint with his thirst not quenched. So shall the multitude of all the nations be that fight against Mount Zion. And whether you realize it or not, the United States is fighting against Zion, Jerusalem, when they want to separate the land and give part of it to the Palestinians and, and have... Uh, the Jews had the other half when God said that whole land is theirs. 
So let's understand that. Let's understand that. Proverbs chapter 1. Beginning in verse 22. Proverbs 1, verse 22. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? (laughs) A simple person is somebody who just believes everything that someone says and don't check into it. And it's kind of like this cartoon I would joke with my son. And, and and you have this boss, and the guy says, yeah, boss, yeah, boss, yeah, boss, yeah, boss, yeah, boss, like a robot. Yeah, boss, yeah, boss, yeah, boss, yeah, boss. Yeah, boss, yeah, I just killed somebody, too, just like you did. Yeah, boss, yeah, boss, yeah, I just believe. And I had this one ridiculous person in this church. He thinks he's a, uh, in every prophetic book in the Bible that's talking about him. And then everybody says, yeah, that's right, you that prophet, that prophet, that prophet, which is, of course, a title for Yeshua Messiah. He's that prophet, okay, not this guy. Okay, this guy looks like he's about to drop dead, basically. He looks like a disease, you know, ready to die. You know, I hate to say it about the guy. I love him, but I don't love what he's doing to himself and to other people. Uh, All for his greedy gain, money, and to feed his belly, which is quite big, you know. So so it's just um, just like in Romans. Let's turn to Romans chapter 16. This is the... This is a, the usual paradigm, a model of most ministries, 501c3 ministries, uh, uh, Romans chapter 16. That's why I don't, I don't fool with them anymore. Romans 16, um, Romans chapter 16. Okay, where is this at? Okay. Verse 17, I appeal to you, O brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions. And this is interesting because this church that I'm talking about, they use this scripture to excommunicate people from their stupid church, okay? But it says, uh, what I mean by stupid church, not the people, but the organization, uh, the leaders. I, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. So we should actually be avoiding them, <laughs> which... Me and my wife did, thank God, you know. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And and the King James Version says their bellies. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the knave. So, you know, that that's what this individual is doing. All for his own selfish desires. So, it's unfortunate, but that's, that's the way ministry is interpreted today. Uh, turn back to Proverbs. I mean, that's the way ministry is today in most cases. It's a selfish ambition. You might as well call it a selfish ambition organization for the minister. And they just get money off people and don't care how they get it. They just they teach it. If you don't do it, you're going to go to hellfire if you don't support me. Proverbs chapter 1. Verse 22, how long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in the scoffing and fools hate knowledge? God calls anyone, including myself, a fool if we hate learning, if we hate acquiring knowledge. Verse 23, if you turn at my reproof or correction, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. So if you have a repentant attitude, and if you have this attitude, well, I don't know everything about God. I don't I don't hardly even know the Bible. Let me, let me humble myself and learn from somebody who knows what he's talking about. Verse 24, but... Because I have called you and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one is heeded, because you have ignored all my counsel and will none, have none of my reproof, 
And then this is what he says here. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. And when terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind or a hurricane, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call upon me. And that's the natural tendency of most people. They don't think about God until there's a hurricane or tornado headed their way or a financial hurricane and tornado. And then, oh, God, God, yeah, yeah, oh, God, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, God, we, remember us? Oh, yeah, we're friends, yeah, yeah. Well, God's saying, hey, I ain't going to recognize that. You know, verse 28, then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligent, but they won't find me. Verse 29, because they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. What's the fear of the Lord? Proverbs 8, verse 13, to hate evil, to hate evil. That's the fear of the Lord. If you don't hate evil, you do not. You are not afraid of God. Verse 30. Would have none of my counsel and despise all my reproof. Verse 31. Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their own way. And that's what fruits are. It's your attitude, how you treat people and how you behave. And have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. So that's a promise. Let me repeat that. It says, but whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease. You won't have this panic attitude. <laughs> You're going to be at ease without dread of disaster. That's a promise. Take him up on it. Challenge him on it. He doesn't mind you challenging him if you do it in the right way. Okay. Now, what is this, the Great Tribulation? I looked at the word Great Tribulation up. It's only found in three places in the King James Version. Let me do it again and verify that. But in the King James Version, let me, because I can make a mistake. I'm only human here. Great Tribulation. Yeah, three places in Matthew 24, verse 21, Revelation 2, verse 22, and Revelation 7, verse 14. So that's interesting that it's only found in three places. In the uh, New Testament or the Apostolic uh, Scriptures or the Renewed Covenant Scriptures. Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 15. Got 30 minutes left before I open the line for anyone that wants to speak. And let's see, Matthew chapter uh, 24. Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 15. Let's get to the, the, the Great Tribulation because he stated that all these things, earthquakes, famines, and all that, and nations fighting against nations, is going to happen before the Great Tribulation. So, But we need to figure out what the Great Tribulation is. In verse 15, so when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place. Now, Many of you may not even know what the holy place is. You have to understand the structure of the temple. The temple is divided into two sections. You have the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant should be located. And then you have the curtains separating the Holy of Holies from the holy place, which is the area where the priests prepare to do their work uh, for the people. All right, so he's stating that there's going to be something standing in the holy place. And he says, let the reader understand. I know why he said that, because most people are not going to understand that. And you have to understand the architecture and structure of the temple to understand that. Then let those who are in Judea, that's the West Bank today, Judea, all right, flee to the mountains. Now, this is the only place that I know of this specific place, clearly, 
stated to flee. I've heard about these, all these other whackpot, whackpot uh, organizations teaching about Petra being a place of safety or some other area. Well, as far as I know, biblically, Christ told people who are in Judea, I'm not living in Judea, so this doesn't apply to me. If you aren't in, living in Judea today, this does not apply to you. All right? Is those that be in Judea, and you have some people to spiritualize, is oh, it's talking about everybody? No, it's talking about those that be in Judea and the West Bank. Flee to the mountains. The nearest mountains near the, uh, near the West Bank is Pella. Okay, and that happened in the first century. If you check the great Jewish historian Josephus, um, some Christians were told miraculously to flee to the mountains, and that was the Pella area, as he stated there. So that's where God instructs those of you who are listening to me that's in the West Bank, you flee to that area. That's the nearest area of the mountains in the Pella area. And he states here for everyone else, including those who are fleeing to Pella from the West Bank, let the one who is on the housetop not go down and take what is in his house. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days. So that's the reason why at this point I, I think it's highly recommended for those who are thinking about having babies. You think, I think you need to hold off on that. You know, things are getting to the point now where um, it would not be an advantage to you nor the baby to live through this. Okay, and he says, and alas, or danger for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days. So for those who are just getting married right now, I would take this scripture very serious right now in terms of what's going on in the world. And it would probably be very advised for you not to have babies at this time. Uh, verse 20, pray that your flight may not be in a winter or on a Shabbat, on a Sabbath. Verse 21, for then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now, no, nor ever shall be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But the good news is, for the sake of the elect, those days would be cut short. So, that's the great tribulation. The tribulation, obviously, is going to be something, some structure. And in and the book of Daniel, let's turn to the book of Daniel. You have to go to, he says, go to Daniel. So we're going to go to Daniel to understand this. I've had too many people with their own crackpot ideas, and they need to look at what the Bible says. And the Bible, let me look at Daniel chapter 12 here. It talks about the same event. Daniel 12, verse 1. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble, same phraseology almost, such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book. What book? The book of Daniel. Until the time of the end, the time we're living in now. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase, which is uh, definitely alludes to the invention of the Internet. So, Oh, let me read, I can read the whole prophecy. Verse 5. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream and one on that bank of the stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the stream, how long shall it be to the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen 
who was above the waters of the stream, he raised his right hand and his left hand towards heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever that it would be for a time, which means a year, times, two years, and a half a time, half a year. So it's three and a half years, and that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, in other words, a significant amount of holy people are going to be wiped out, uh, th these things will be fulfilled. I heard, but I did not understand. And I said, oh, my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these? What's the end? He, didn't want, he wanted to know what everyone else know. the end. But what did he tell Daniel? He said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until, until the time of the end, the 21st century. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly, and none, and I mean none, of the wicked shall understand. And that could also mean completely understand, because there's some wicked that do understand some things. But they don't completely understand. Like many of these ministers don't understand they shouldn't be selling their stuff. Okay? They constantly set up their ministries under 501c3, and they call it a marketplace. And what did Christ talk about, you know, as far as that's concerned? He said, don't, don't allow my father's house to be a marketplace. And, and you can't combine capitalism with ministry. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Ministries should be supported. But they should be supported to the point of where they don't get rich off the people. There's, a, there's in Deuteronomy chapter 17, it says, Even a king should not have too much silver and gold. And unfortunately, Solomon had too much silver and gold. And look what it did to him. All right, so the purpose of having a ministry is not to look cute on the pulpit and, and your suit and bouncing around up and down and people say, yeah, praise the Lord, hey, hey, hey. That's not, that's not what a ministry is all about. All that is is a slick way for most of these ministers to make money off the people and to secure their financial future. 501c3 organizations, the majority of them are cloaks uh, to make money. They're money-making machines and they're using the Word of God to make profit. Uh, hold your place here. Listen, think you think I'm talking out of my head here. I'm going to use one of the prophets, Micah. I don't know if you ever heard of Micah before, but Micah. Micah chapter 3, verse 11. Oops, Malachi. I turn to Micah. Here we go. Micah 3, verse 11. Its head to give judgment for a bribe. Its priests teach for a price. Its prophets practice divination or prophecy for money. Yet they lean on the Lord and say, It's not the Lord in the midst of us. No disaster shall come upon us. <laughs> and God is saying, Hey, I'm not with you when you're doing that mess, when you are selling his words for a profit. Now, I'm not talking about the Bible. Uh, the Bible indicates that, unfortunately, that's going to happen and you have to buy the truth. But it tells you not to sell it. Buy the truth and sell it not. All right? And uh, this is talking about church organizations, individuals, uh, having a, a, um, a seminar, whatever, a sermon, and they're charging people for it. Or they they have their books. <laughs> Me and my wife have gone to many of these things. They they sell their books. You know, they, have, they give a speech and they have their books and they want you to buy their stuff. 
You know, so that's capitalism. It, it doesn't it doesn't God doesn't like that. He hates that. I just read that to you. He doesn't like that. And these people actually think God is with them. He's not. He's not with you. He's not with you. You're going to do that. He's not with you. And then Isaiah, uh, prophet Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah 55, verse 1. This is God's desire for his words. He wants his words to be available for free. Uh, it says, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. Okay? Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Not talking about food and, and milk, as you're going to see here in a minute. Verse 2, why do you spend your money for, for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? And, and that makes sense because a lot of what these, these so-called ministers preach is a bunch of garbage. A lot of it is. I mean, they, they don't know what they're, they're not going by what the scriptures say. Uh, they They paraphrase things. They takes things out of context, and they uh, use an a, a interpretation method called eisegesis. They put their own thoughts into the scriptures. And that's why he's saying, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good. And delight yourselves in rich food. Now he explains to you what he's talking about. Verse 3, incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Okay, so he wants us to listen to his words, and he wants us to listen to his words for free, folks. That's his desire. So the Great Tribulation, let's go back to Daniel again. And I got uh, how many minutes left? 16 minutes. Daniel, before I open the line for discussion, for those who want to talk. Daniel chapter 12. All right, um, in verse 10 it says, uh, Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and refine. And I read you earlier, this is going to be a time where quite a few people uh, will repent. I'm going to show that to you here in a minute, hopefully. But the wicked shall act wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. What are they going to understand? They're going to understand what the end of all these things are. Because Daniel didn't understand it back then. And from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away, now, when you understand the temple and how things were uh, were done, uh, there were daily sacrifices. And this is what this is talking about. For, for there to be a regular burnt offering, then there has to be a temple. That's what he's telling you here. It's take an abomination that, that makes desolate set up. There should be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335th day. But go your way to the end, and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place, which means he's going to be resurrected at the end of the days. Okay, so uh, we have a total, it looks like, of 1,335 days from the start of this great tribulation. So when this stuff happens, we can start counting. Okay, so we will know. We're not going to know the exact millisecond when he comes back, but we're going to have a pretty good idea of when things about to end. That's what Daniel desired, but it wasn't meant for him. He said, go your way, Daniel, for this is for the... Might as well say 21st century because I don't see this world existing past the 21st century the way things are going right now. It, it, it it's beyond my comprehension how the world can last with the fact that we got nuclear bombs right now and the fact that poverty is just spreading uh, so fast as I'm speaking here is even affecting this country now. Uh, so many other things that are going on right now. 
uh, with this catastrophe in Japan right now. That's going to affect the whole world. It's the third largest uh, economy in the world. Um, more things that with Obama, pretty soon we're going to be having same-sex marriages, and you know God is not going to tolerate that based on what he did with Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, Sodom and Gomorrah, homosexuality is one of the sins, but it wasn't the sin. Uh, the, the one sin of Sodom, there were several sins, uh, not caring for the poor, being selfish, uh, being lazy, being fat, you know, living that type of lifestyle. But the last straw, the last straw is when he went to go check himself just to make sure that he's seeing what he's seeing, okay, because probably he's like, he was probably wiping his ass, I, I can't believe what I'm seeing here. <laughs> so he went to go check for himself to make sure that he's saying what he's saying. You know, that's how loving he is. He wanted to check, see himself. And he saw what was going on, homo, rampant homosexuality at the point when they wanted to rape angels, okay. So that was the last straw, homosexuality. And that's prophetic because um, let's look at uh, a couple of scriptures here. Um, in Luke chapter 17, and if, if no one comes in the line, I'm just going to continue on with this Bible study. So Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 26, um, just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, in the days of Lot, Sodom and Gomorrah, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. So obviously the days of Noah were similar to the days of Lot because he's comparing both. He said likewise. Likewise means in a similar way. Okay, uh, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So will it be on the, uh, be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, let the one who's on the housetop, this is talking about the tribulation again, the start of the tribulation, same phraseology, who is on the housetop with his goods in the house not come down to take them away. And likewise, let the one who is in the field not turn back. Same phraseology of Matthew chapter 24, verse 15. Remember Lot's wife. So he's telling you to remember Lot's wife. And what is Lot's wife? What did Lot's wife do? She looked back. She craved for the world. She liked the life. She obviously liked the life of being fat and not caring about the poor and rampant homosexuality. That must have intrigued her for her to, to turn and look back. And remember, the angel told him to look for it, don't look back. And she did, and she rebelled and looked back. And she got turned into what? A pillar of what? A pillar? Yeah, a pillar of salt, unfortunately. So he's telling not just women, but men, don't act like Lot's wife. You have to leave this world behind. It's passing away. And in verse 33, whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it. That's saying that that's all what religion is about, you protecting yourself and you're not caring about other people. He says he's going to lose it. But whoever loses his life will keep it. And he says, I tell you, in that night there will be two in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. And this is not talking about a rapture when someone materializes out of the thin air. He's saying, when he says one will be taken, he's talking about they're going to be dead. They're going to be destroyed or murdered or killed. There will be two women grinding together. One will be taken and the other left. Because he's comparing this to the days of Lot and the days of Noah. What happened? They were destroyed. So this is not, this is a classic example of Isaac Jesus when someone takes the scriptures and says, oh, this is talking about the rapture. No, it's not talking about the rapture. It's talking about what will happen to people. Some people will die. Some people will live. That's what he's saying, okay, based on the context. Context is what's up 
and around where you're looking at, okay, in the scriptures. Uh, one will be taken, another left. And they said to him, where, Lord? And he said, where the course is, that's where the vultures were gathered. And that's referring to Revelation chapter 19. If you read that, uh, there's going to be many vultures and birds enjoying uh, human flesh. Uh, that's called the Great Supper of the Lord. I mean, in a, in a, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of the word, but uh, using a euphemism, I guess, a, a, a kinder way of saying something that uh, should not be said kind, I guess. I don't know, but... Uh, that's what it's called, the Great Supper of the Lord. So anyway, in Revelation chapter 19. Now, Revelation 2, verse 22. These, I'm going to point to the other two places where the Great Tribulation, the phrase is in the uh, King James Version of the Bible. Revelation 2, verse 22. Says, um, Behold, I will throw her onto a sick bed, and those who commit adultery with her, I will throw into the great tribulation, unless they repent of her work. So, so the great tribulation. A good way to understand what the great tribulation is is the great spanking. <laughs> That's what it is. It's a great spanking, great punishment. Tribulation means sorrow, sorrow, you know, and and uh, great sorrow on the earth, great problems. And unfortunately, many human beings need problems for them to finally do what they're supposed to do. Revelation 7. Yeah, well, that's what I'm getting ready to describe, wife. Revelation 7, verse 9. Revelation 7, verse 9. After this, I, be, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one can number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Obviously, they must be in, in heaven here. Clothed in white robes and palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might to be our God forever and ever. Verse 13. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? I said to them, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of great tribulation. So they came out of great spanking or tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So they repented. Verse 15, and the reason why, and, and, and this is their reward for repentance. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst no more. The sun shall not strike them. Now, this is interesting when it says they shall hunger no more. There must be something supernatural going on here. But neither thirst any more, the sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to the springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So this is in the context of heaven being involved and, of course, being on the earth, too, because uh, when you're resurrected, not only will you be able to, to see God the Father, but you'll be able to, to go from heaven to earth at will, back and forth, like Yeshua was able to when he was resurrected. So heaven has a has a, has a place, but like a lot of Protestant teachers, uh, you're not going to be sitting in heaven and just looking at God all day. I mean, you're going to be doing things. You're going to be on the earth. You're going to be ruling over certain cities or nations um, uh, for God, and it's going to be fun. It's going to be a real fun time. Um, so the Great Tribulation is a great punishment for the people of the earth. And as I just read to you, many people will repent. So that's a good story. The bad, 
that's the good news. But the bad news is that, unfortunately, many people have to go through a great spanking or a great tribulation to repent, and that's unfortunate. God would rather have you just repent just by seeing his words, but unfortunately, I guess one of the reasons why God created nerves is it uh, serves the purpose uh, of of having pain, and the pain for most human beings caused them to change. So that's just the way it is, unfortunately. Um, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 3. So how do we prepare for this great tribulation that, based on this Japan earthquake, could be coming very soon here? So um, let's look at some, some scriptures that perhaps you may not know about. Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs chapter 22, starting in verse 3, says, The prudent sees danger and hides himself. Now, I'm telling you about these things. Um, you should take this, this earthquake in Japan very seriously here. This is the third largest economy in the world. God is trying to get our attention here. You don't wait for something to happen to, to plan for things, as I'm going to try to prove to you today. The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and, and suffer for it. This got through talking about simple ones in Proverbs chapter 1. You don't want to be simple-minded and just go around like, like the Aflac duck, Aflac, Aflac, Aflac. And you, don't, you don't want to act like that, okay? You, you want to have some, some, some knowledge and some wisdom on doing the right thing. That's what you want to do. So uh, that's important. And um, That's something that you you need to uh, to focus on, and that's something that uh, is very important for you to understand. Uh, in Hebrews eleven verse seven, we're talking about the days of Noah, right? Hebrews eleven verse seven. Hebrews chapter eleven verse seven. Um, many people. Don't understand what trust or faith is. Faith is the evidence of the things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now, one of the ways that Noah proved to God that he trusted God is the following. Hebrews 11, verse 7. By faith or trust, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. Now, I've read you to some things right now that hasn't happened yet but will happen. It says, in reverent fear, because he hated evil, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So we ought to follow Noah's example since God said the, his, the, 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 the time of his coming is similar to the days of Noah. Okay, so that you know we need to follow Noah's example here. Psalm 91 is a beautiful psalm, and it's a psalm that I recommend definitely that we all meditate on as these days get worse and worse and worse as people's rebellion as indicated by the book of Revelation, is only going to get worse and worse and not any better, unfortunately. Psalm 91, the majority, not not the few, but the majority. Psalm 91, starting in verse 1, says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence or the disease. That's one of the mighty plagues that Christ talks about in Matthew chapter 24. He will cover you with his pinions. 
and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, or bomb, or bullet, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. Which is pretty interesting because um, the doomsday clock folks, they say at midnight, that's when there's going to be a nuclear war. So that, I find that pretty interesting. At noonday, that's 12 o'clock. Anyway. Verse 7, a thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Verse 9, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, that not you strike your foot against a stone. And this is this is a, actually a, a scripture that the devil used to try to tempt Christ to jump off the temple. So that's another way how he misapplied the scripture. He used Jesus, took that out of context and said, hey, that applies to you, so go ahead and jump off the temple. That's not telling you to jump off the temple. It's telling you that just do the best you can and God will protect you. Verse 13, you will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent, will, will you trample underfoot. Because he holds fast me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. Do you know his name? Uh, his name is uh, Y-H-W-H, Yahweh, Yehovah. Okay, that that's his real name. Um, don't know the exact pronunciation, but I think it's close. Um, Jesus' real name, his Hebrew name is Yeshua. Verse 16, when he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. This is what he will do if you just obey him and stop thinking that the law has been nailed to the cross. Um, Isaiah chapter 26. Okay, it's in the 30-minute period, so anyone wants to call in, you can. But if not, I'll continue on with the Bible study. Isaiah. Oh, they're not going to be able to hear you, Sheree. Unless I put it on speakerphone, I guess. I don't know. All right, what's the question? Okay. In um, Daniel, uh, chapter 11. All right, let, let me get, okay, before you do this, let me get through this since it's just you and my wife. Let me see. Isaiah chapter 26, and you can ask me questions anytime. They can't. So, anyway, Isaiah chapter 26, um, I mean, anytime during the day, basically, because uh, I'm around you. It says, Come, my people, enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourself for a little while until the fury is past. For behold, the Lord is coming out from his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. And the earth will disclose the blood shed on it and will no more cover its slain. So he's telling us to prepare. Prepare for what's about to go down. Now, um, some things I wanted to, to tell you toward the end of this program. These are recommended resources and free videos that you definitely need to be looking at right now. Uh, a little pencil or paper, or you can just listen to this again if I'm going too fast for you. Uh, to get emergency food, go to www.efoodsdirect.com. That's E as an elephant, F as in Frank, O O D as in dog, S as in snake, D as in dog, I R E C T dot com. www.beprepared.com. That should be simple enough. Uh, these are free videos that you can look online to help you understand the beast, the beast power, or the new world order that's rising before our eyes, the invisible empire. Just type in Invisible Empire in Google. American Freedom to Fascism explains our tax system. 
Britam.org, B-R-I-T-A-M.org. It explains that America and Britain and Canada, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, all the countries in Northwestern Europe are part of Israel. Uh, www.iousathemovie.com. That's I-O-U-S-A-T-H-E-M-O-V-I-E.com. Uh, if you want to understand the truth of our financial condition, the situation, uh, the website for that is truthandaccounting.org. That's truthandaccounting.org. If you want to understand in detail how international bankers con- gain control over America, uh, simply uh, Google the Money Masters, and you'll be able to look at it. I think it's a three-hour uh, educational video. If you want to keep up with what's really going on in the news, um, Alex Jones does an excellent job of doing that for you. Uh, it's www.infowars.com. Dot com gave him a little plug there. Um, there's one website called watch.org, which is pretty interesting. Christ told us to watch Luke uh, chapter 21 verse 36. www.watch.org. What uh, he does very good is uh, keep an eye on what's going on, anything related to Jerusalem, which we should be doing any, any anyway. We should be keeping uh, watch on what's going on in Jerusalem. Uh, Google. Google the following so that if uh, we do suffer a nuclear devastation here in this country, hopefully some of us will be alive because of this document and, and because of God's mercy. Uh, what to do if a nuclear disaster is imminent? What to do if a nuclear disaster is imminent? Type that in Google. It's a free document and study it. Okay, what's your question, dear wife? All right, uh, so my wife wants to go over a simple Bible study of what the beast is and and what it's all about. I I think the simpler way to understand it, let's go to Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13. Yeah, you can can call in if you want. Don't be afraid. I'm not going to bite you. You know, if you don't, as long as you're not uh, calling in, cursing me out or whatever, you know, uh, I'll accept your call if you're going to. Want to call and curse me out and say I'm crazy? Then you know, I'd rather you not call. Okay. Uh, Revelation chapter 13, verse one. It says, "And I saw a beast rising out of the sea, with ten horns and seven heads. With ten uh, on his horns, diadems on his horns, and blasphemous names on his heads." Diadems, rather, with ten diadems on his horns and blasphemous names on his heads. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's, and his mouth was like a lion's mouth. And to it the dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority. Now, the dragon, which is the devil, Revelation 12, verse 9 says, the dragon, that great dragon called the devil and Satan, deceives the whole world. Verse 3, one of his heads seemed to have have a mortal wound, and there's so many different eisegesis about what that is. But it says, One of his heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but his mortal wound was healed. And the whole world marveled as they followed the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast, and who can fight against it? And the beast was given a mouth, uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months, or three and a half years. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. 
Also, it was allowed to make war, so this beast made war with the saints and to conquer them. That's what it's talking about the, the, when, when Daniel says accomplishing the, the, the scattering of the power of the holy people. That's what that's talking about. In verse 7, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them, and authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation, and all who dwell on earth will worship it, everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. In other words, understand what he's telling you here. Verse 10, if anyone is to be taken captive to captivity, he goes. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, with the sword must he be slain. Here is a call for the endurance and the faith of the saints. In other words, this is going to be tough, and people are preaching rapture, and he's saying that right here that this is a call for endurance and the faith of the saints. It's not going to be a rapture before the tribulation, folks. Verse 11, Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. So it had two horns like a lamb. So in other words, he's going to appear to be uh, the Messiah. And it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast, which is political in nature. The second beast is religious. Uh, it exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its heavens worship the first beast. That's how I can tell that this is a religious beast because it's making everyone worship the first beast. Whose mortal wound was healed. It performs great signs, even make fire come down from heaven to earth in front of the people. Definitely religious beast. And by the signs that it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on the earth, telling them to make an image for the beast. Now, this image is similar to the image that was created in Daniel chapter 3 of Nebuchadnezzar. All right? Daniel and the book of Revelation is linked. And obviously, it's going to be some kind of statue uh, that people are going to be um, commanded to worship. And it was allowed to give breath to the image for the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and, and might cause those who would not worship the beast to the image should be slain. So something miraculous is going to be going on here with this image. Also, it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehand so that no one can buy or sell. So, in other words, people are going to be marked. And many people say maybe it's RFID chip. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be something to allow you to buy and sell. And this is another reason why those who are believers need to stock up with food because <laughs> if you don't accept this mark, then you won't be able to eat if you don't have any food. All right, um, this calls for wisdom. Let one who has understanding calculate the number of the beasts, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. And that's another Bible study in itself. But uh, that gives you a description of the beast. It's a, it's a geopolitical religious uh, organization. Uh, it's two of them. One is political, one is religious. And the, both of these beasts will dominate and control the world, economically and religiously and politically. Um, that's that's the beast. Now, in Daniel chapter 7, and there's going to be an image used, and Christ said this image is going to be placed in the holy place, obviously, something, you know. That's what he stated. And to understand this, all you have to do is study the, the history of Antiochus Epiphanes that Daniel goes over. And then Maccabees, the book of Maccabees also goes over that, about what happened. Uh, Antiochus Epiphanes, he put a statue of Zeus around the temple, and he sacrificed pigs on the altar. And that was called the abomination of desolation. So something similar like that is going to happen in the future. That's the reason why Christ uh, talked about it. Daniel chapter uh, 
12 here. Oh, Daniel chapter 7. All right. This is an interesting prophecy. Daniel chapter 7. Many people think that this is talking about the same king as ever talked about in Daniel chapter 2. But it isn't. Daniel chapter 7, verse 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay in the bed. Then he wrote down a dream and told the sum of the matter. Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. And four great beasts, four great beasts came up out of the sea. Now, now notice it's four beasts, four great beasts, differing from one another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. Now, remember, this, these beasts, these four beasts were described in, in, in Revelation chapter 13. In Revelation chapter 13, all these beasts combined into one big beast, okay? And verse 4, the first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. Then as I looked, his wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man, and the mind of a man was given to it. This is going to take some Bible study, but all indications are that this first beast is talking about the United States and Britain. All right? The lion is a symbol of the British Empire. Prince Charles' emblem has a lion on it. Um, eagle's wings. We all know the symbol of the United States, the seal, right? It's an eagle, right? All right, so, uh, and then when it stays to stand on the feet, like a man in the mind of a man was given to it, obviously this beast must have had some kind of compassion. All the rest of the beasts aren't described with a man, mind, given to it. And behold, another beast, a second one, like a bear, many people think that this is referring to Russia because the symbol of Russia historically has been a bear. Okay? Um, and it was raised up on one side. It had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, and it was told, Arise, devour much flesh. After this, I, I looked, and behold, another, like a leopard, with four wings of a bird. Many people can't make up their minds what this one is. A lot of people say it's European Union, other Arabs, you know. Uh, this is just speculation here. Um, and the beast had four heads, and dominion was given to it. And after this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces and stamped. And this is interesting. That this fourth beast uh, consisted of iron, and it broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that was before it. And that's the key. It was different from all the other beasts before it. And it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots, so they were taken out of the way. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things, similar to what Revelation chapter 13 was stating about the beast. And verse 9, as I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days, which is the Father, God the Father, took his seat, his clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head... Like pure wool, his throne was fiery flames, his wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousand served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were open. So this is a time of judgment. Verse 11, I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking, and, I, and as I looked, the beast was killed and his body destroyed. So this fourth beast was killed and given over to be burned with fire. Now, verse 12, as for the rest of the beasts, the rest of the beasts were still allowed to be alive at this time. Their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. All right. Now, 
I don't know if many of you realize this, but there's a a group called the Quartet. It consists of the United Nations. Uh, it, it consists of uh, the United States. You might as well throw Britain in there um, because the United States and Britain are brothers. Uh, Russia and the European Union. Uh, those four areas, United States and Britain, are, are grouped together as one. Uh, Daniel chapter 7 is a great possibility that could be talking about those four power blocks, okay, as these beasts. But I know for sure that the fourth beast is a is an amalgamation of all the strongest nations into one. Now, how do I know that? If you turn to Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13. It says so. Verse 1, And I saw the beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads with ten diadems on his horns and blasphemous names on his heads. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard. That's the third beast. And his feet were like a bear's. That's the second. And his mouth like a lion's mouth. That's the first. Okay? So this is a combination of all those beasts into one. That's the fourth beast. The fourth beast. Which right now is the United Nations and NATO. Okay? But eventually we don't know what it's going to be called NATO uh, is the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, which consists primarily of European nations, and you have Turkey and you have the United States and Canada. All right, so now in verse uh, 13 of Daniel chapter 7, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Verse 15, As for me, Daniel, my spirit within me was anxious, and the visions of my head alarmed me. I approached one of those who stood there and asked him the truth concerning all this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation. So here we go with the interpretation from the angel. And many ministers don't care about what the angel said. They want to put their own twist on things. So, But I'm not going to do that. Verse 16, I approached one of those who stood there and asked him the truth concerning all this. So he told me and made known me the interpretation of these things. These four great beasts are four kings who shall arise out of the earth. So that's a prophecy. These beasts did not arise at the time of Daniel. Yet you had these false ministers and biblical experts with PhDs teaching us that this is referring to the same kingdoms in Daniel chapter 2. When God says through Daniel, or through the angel rather, that these four great beasts are four kings. So beasts can be kings. Kings can be beasts. And there's, a, there's a king right now, there's a beast in Libya that they're trying to get rid of. Okay, So, you know, that... <laughs> You know, kings and, and beasts are synonymous with each other, right? These four great beasts are four kings who shall arise out of the earth. At the time of Daniel, they didn't arise. They've already risen right now. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever, and ever. Okay? That's the fifth kingdom. I'm looking forward to that fifth kingdom. Verse 19 of Daniel chapter 7. Then I desire to know the truth about the fourth beast which was different from all the rest, exceedingly terrifying. This fourth beast, as Revelation 13 reveals, is an amalgamation of the first, second, and third beasts. And it says, The fourth beast, which was different from all the rest, exceedingly terrifying, with his teeth of iron and claws of bronze, 
and which devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with his feet. And about the ten horns that were on his head, and the other horn that came up, and before that three of them fell, the horn that had eyes and a mouth that spoke great things and that seemed greater than his companions. As I looked, this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them, which Revelation 13 tells you, until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given for the saints of the Most High. And the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. Verse 23, And thus he said, As for the fourth beast, there shall be a fourth kingdom on earth which shall be different from all the kingdoms, and it shall devour the whole earth. Devour the whole earth. And trample it down and break it into pieces. Now, it says that it consists of iron and bronze. That is the architecture of a nuclear bomb and it has iron and bronze in it right and it states here that this fourth kingdom shall devour the whole earth trample it down and break it into pieces now what weapons do you know that can do that other than nuclear bombs the the, the whole earth and trample it down and break it in pieces verse 24 as for the ten horns out of this, this kingdom ten kings shall rise here we go again the horns are kings and another shall rise after them and shall be different from the former ones and shall put down three kings. So it's only going to be seven after he puts down the three. He shall speak words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and shall think to change times and laws. And they shall be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time of 42 months. Verse 26, But the court shall sit in judgment in his dominion, thank God, shall be taken away to be consumed and destroyed to the end. I read to you of that destruction in Revelation chapter 16. Verse 27, And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms, remember it was saying that uh, he's going to pour the plague on the, on the seat of the beast, okay, and destroy that kingdom. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. Their kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominion shall serve and obey them. Okay, which means that we will be rulers, and we must be obeyed. And verse 28, here's the end of the matter. So, to me, that's a clear interpretation. I mean, do you understand? I mean, it's just pretty clear to me. I think the angel did a marvelous job of explaining that, and unfortunately, you have these these ministers that's looking for money. Um, some are sincere, but a lot of them aren't. And they, they're looking for money, and they twist things to, the, to their own bellies, you know. So that's unfortunate. But it looks like no one wants to talk. That's fine. Um, I'm available. Uh, this is funny. When I, when I wasn't doing this, people were on the line. And now, of course, uh, when I open the line, no one wants to talk. So anyway, um, I'll do this. I'll keep on doing this. Hopefully somebody will uh, want to talk and ask questions or whatever, and um, I'll be available for folks. Um, and God willing, um, I'll be here next week. And um, I'm going to think about what I'm going to talk about next week. I'll have it on the uh, blog talk page. So may God bless and keep you, and especially now in these times now, you need to really get serious about preparing. Uh, the great tribulation can occur. You can have a heart attack and die tomorrow. So don't wait for things to happen to change. You need to change your life now. Uh, if God is lying for you to talk to me now, he's, he's, telling you that he wants to see a change in your life. He wants you to start uh, working yourself and start obeying the commandments, all the commandments, not just the ones you want to, you feel comfortable with. May God bless and keep you, and God willing, I will be available next week.
Malachi chapter 4. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stopped. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. 